Well, good morning. Okay, I know it's snowing, but let's let's go now. Good morning. There we go. All right. Uh, welcome to church. My name's Josh, lead pastor and preaching pastor here. First John three in your Bibles. First um, John three, and uh, as you turn there, and as you heard Katie read it, I just want to just encourage you on a couple levels before we pray and dig in. Uh, the first one is baptisms. So we are having believers' baptism today. Uh, this afternoon at 3 o'clock, or 3.30 actually, at the new church building. So, if you're a newer Christian, or if you are newer to Christianity, I would encourage you, I'd, I'd invite you to come and check it out. All right, um, the, well, You'll be seeing individuals share their story, how they came out of sin, and they came to faith in Jesus Christ, and we want you to be a part of that, just to check it out. If you've never seen a baptism before, uh, it could be a really good thing. Uh, Baptism is a very dynamic step of obedience uh, for believers, and uh, it'll be a great thing. We're going to do another baptism service in March. So again, if you're thinking about baptism or if you're curious about it, come check it out at 3.30 this afternoon. Let's let's open up our new building in a a really great way, and uh, you can come be a part of that. Check it out. Second thing, um, we have a starting point small group that is meeting at um, the Indianola Heights Offices starting next Sunday at 5 o'clock. So next Sunday, 5 o'clock. And this starting point group is if you're newer to church, um, this, this will help you get connected to God's word and connected to spiritual growth and meet some people. So we want you, we want you to consider that group if you are newer to church. So starting point, small group, baptisms, those are the two things I wanted to mention real quickly uh, before we dig into God's word together. So let's pray and then... Uh, see what God might have for us um, this morning. Father, thank you. What a privilege and an honor, Lord, that it is to be in your presence this morning. Thank you for the snow outside. Lord, it reminds us of two things. One, that you are in control of the weather, uh, Lord, and in a moment in time, you can bring weather changes to our world. And God, we acknowledge your power and your authority to do that. Also, Lord, it reminds us of the gospel. We're so thankful that though um, Isaiah says, though our sins be as scarlet, Lord, you, God, in your forgiveness have made us white as snow. And so, Lord, we're thankful for the righteousness of Jesus Christ applied to our account that makes us forgiven and makes us white as snow in your eyes, God. We're so thankful for that. So, Lord, thank you for this opportunity this morning to be together. Lord, we pray that you would bless your word in a very, very special way. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this is our sermon series, um, True Greatness. And we're talking about sermons, about servanthood and humility. And this is week three, and we're digging into 1 John chapter 3. And so, regarding servanthood and humility, um, I thought that it would be good and appropriate to open up the message with, um, with this photo. There we go. You guys all remember this movie. Life is so unnerving for the servant who's not serving, right? And, and you remember the context in Beauty and the Beast. They're singing to Belle at the, at the table. And, and he just says, hey, life's so unnerving for a servant who's not serving. They want to do their jobs, but they can't. And so um, I've heard this many times as a pastor. Pastor, I love God. It's people that I cannot stand. 
can I get a, a people witness, right? Like that, that's happened more times than you want to know, where people are like, I love Jesus, I love God. It's people that I have a problem with. So the question is, have you ever had a problem with another Christian? Have you ever had a problem with another person who claims the name of Jesus? Anger, maybe hatred, um, maybe someone who has claimed to be a Christian has ticked you off, gotten in your way, um, hurt you, maybe said something about you behind your back, maybe, maybe it's been a sinful thing. How did you handle that in your life? How did you handle that? Maybe a more appropriate question this morning that could be a counseling question for you is how are you handling that currently? Because in the Christian life, you're going to be offended at some point. Something's going to happen with another believer in Jesus. And how are you handling that? Living in a sinful world that we do, um, often the Christian's confession of Jesus Christ is put to the test by their love for other people. Your confession of Jesus is often put to the test most directly and most practically by your love or lack thereof for other people who name the name of Christ. You see, loving people, it tests our hearts, it tests our hands, and it tests our feet. Um, And if we want assurance of salvation this morning, we need to look no further than the principles of servanthood laid out by the Apostle John that he lays out for us here in this text. So your heart, I want you guys this morning to look at your heart. How are you feeling? Two, I want you to look at your hands. What are you holding? And three, I want you to look at your feet. What are you doing? And so how is your heart feeling this morning? Are you feeling, maybe potentially this morning, you're feeling self-righteous. Maybe you walked in, you're feeling self-righteous. You're better than everybody else. Maybe you walked in and you're angry this morning. You are angry about something and someone. Uh, Maybe you are on the opposite side of the spectrum. Maybe you came in this morning feeling depressed, feeling alone. Maybe snow doesn't do it for you, right? (laughs) Maybe it, it causes you to go into places of depression and anxiety. Maybe you're discouraged. Some of you might be saying, I've professed Jesus as my savior. So, so why am I so down? Why am I so down right now? Why am I struggling with my confidence? Um, the author of 1 John is the Apostle John. And as we come into 1 John chapter 3, John is an old man writing this chapter just for you and me this morning. He's an old man. He's been through the wars. He has loved the unlovable person for years and years and years and years. And he takes up his pen and he writes 1 John chapter 3. And he writes it for you and me this morning. Praise God. And what he's doing is he is dropping on us in 1 John 3, 14 through 18, nuggets of wisdom. Nuggets of wisdom regarding how to love people, how to serve people, how to have a spirit of humility and servanthood. And so the best thing for us this morning is to let John, this experienced and elder apostle, speak right into our hearts this morning. That would be the best thing for us. And as we do that, we're going to look at humility and servanthood. So let's look at these principles. So servant, 
Servanthood principle number one is heart. How are you feeling? Verse 11 through 16, but mainly we're going to be looking at 14 through 16. So take a look with me in John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. It says, we know, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. So the word know in verse 14 is oida in the Greek. It means an experiential relational knowledge. It means a deep knowledge. We know, right, that we have passed out of death into life. We know this. So this is really important for us because John wants us to understand that knowing Jesus Christ is beyond intellectual knowledge. Right? We live in a culture in America today where pretty much everybody knows that there is Jesus Christ, that he was a person, that he died on the cross, that Christians believe in Jesus. And if you ask most people on the street in America today, do you believe in Jesus? They're probably going to say what? Yeah, of course I believe in Jesus. Right? I'm an American. Of course I believe in Jesus. But John's not talking about intellectual knowledge. John is talking about deep experiential knowledge like a personal knowledge. And he says, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. So salvation is a deep and meaningful choice that you make at one point in your life to be saved, to believe in Jesus. That is a choice that you make. It's deep and it's meaningful. And John is telling us in verse 14 that the assurance of our salvation, the confidence that we are really saved is deep and meaningful, but it is a process and it is tied to how we love people. You will have strong and deep assurance that you are really saved if you really love others. Now, he says that we know we've passed out of death into life. This is really interesting. We've passed out of death into life. This is both a decision and a process. So, In John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus said this. He said, truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes, there's the decision, believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Jesus says that salvation is a decision that you make when you believe in him. And when you believe in him by faith, you pass out of death into life. You pass out of spiritual death into spiritual life. So that's a decision, but it's also a process, right? John is telling us right here that we know we've passed out of death into life because of what? Because we love the brothers. So you can say you believe in Jesus all day long and say, yeah, I'm going to heaven when I die. But if you hate your brother or your sister in Christ, you are contradicting the very words you say you believe. Because passing from death to life is not just a prayer you pray when you're six or when you're 10, or when you're 16, or when you're 24. Salvation is evidenced and assurance is given of you passing from death into life when you love your fellow brothers and sisters. So we love. It says we know we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Now, whoever whoever does not love abides in death. The word love there is agape. And some of you know um, this, the Greek word. There's lots of different Greek words for love. There's phileo, which is where we get the, the city of Philadelphia, brotherly love, right? This is not that. This is agape, all right? This, this agape is a self-sacrificing love. It's a love that gives regardless of response. 
So agape love brings, when we give it to other people, when we give people agape love, a self-sacrificing love, a, a love that gives no matter how people respond to us, that is the love that gives us deep assurance that we are sons and daughters of Jesus. So agape love says, I'm going to love you no matter what you do, no matter how you respond. Um, you can't stop my love. Now that is really important because um, we need to know that when you try to love somebody with an agape love, you're loving them regardless of how they treat you. So how many of you this week have been ticked off at somebody because you love them and you expected something in return? How many of you have said this week, like, hey, this is like a love that's a two-way street, man. Like, like I will go one way, you go one way. We got to meet in the middle. And, and for some of us, that's how we live our whole lives. But agape love is different. It is a love that you give, and no matter how people respond, you're still going to give it. This is the love that is found in the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. For God so loved, for God so agaped the world, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Look at, look at this other verse that, um, that Jesus gives us. Um, Oh, wait, I didn't, put it, I didn't put it on the slide, so I, I'll read it to you, okay? John 15, 13, Jesus says, Greater love is no man than this, than that a man lays down his life for his friends. Agape love gives and lays down, no matter what people do. Um, John 13, 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give you, to love one another, just as I have loved you. So what we can say as we're developing this first point, and by the way, this first point is really long and my last two points are really short, okay? So bear with me. So as we, can, as we continue to develop this thought, we can say in that verse 14 is telling us that genuine believers have a continual love abiding inside of them in their hearts for other brothers and sisters. And those who are false believers have a continual hate abiding in their, in their hearts regarding brothers and sisters. And so as we look at verse 15, it says this. John says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And a murderer, you know, does not have eternal life abiding in him. So John continues with this idea that, look, if you say you're a believer in Jesus, but you got hate continually in your heart, you, John's just telling you straight up, look, eternal life is not abiding inside of you if you hate those people who are around you that are brothers and sisters. You can't have eternal life abiding inside with hate abiding inside. They can't coexist. So the word abiding there, you might be wondering like, what is that about? What, what is abiding? Because you're going to see it a lot in 1 John Chapters 1 through 5, you're going to see it all over the place. The word abide or abiding, it means um, to remain, to linger, to hang out with, to dwell with, to stick with. It's this, it's this amazing idea. And Jesus, he loved the idea of abiding. Um, in John chapter 8, verse 31, he said to the Jews, he said, If you b would abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So everybody's coming to Jesus. Everybody's believing in Jesus. And Jesus looks at the crowd and he says, look, if you're really going to be my disciples, you better abide. You better hang with. You better hang out with my word. You better stick with my word. Because if you do that, then you will really be my disciples. And he also said this in John 15. Jesus said this in John 15, 5. I am the vine 
You are the branches, whoever abides in me, and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now you can see this in Jesus. He loves to abide. You can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can see that this guy just loves to abide with certain things. He loves to abide with his father, because he's going to prayer all the time, by himself. He's going to the mountain to pray. He's going to spend time with God. Jesus also loves to abide with his disciples. I mean, he hangs out with these guys, gives them three years of his life. They hang out. They do everything together. They hang, man. They stick with one another. They abide together. And Jesus also liked to abide in certain places like the Sea of Galilee and other spots. Those were kind of his places. But if you hung with Jesus, right, in, if you, in his life, earthly ministry, you would say, I like hanging with him. Jesus loved to hang with. He loved to remain with. He loved to abide in certain things. And look, in this life, you who claim to be Christians, you can either abide with life or you can abide with death. You can abide with light or you can abide with darkness. And there is no real middle ground, okay? So I'm gonna gonna just click ahead here. Okay, yeah, this is it. Even in a screen-dominated age, we are still very good at abiding, hanging out. Okay, now look, we, we live in this age where the world is telling us people's attention spans are shorter, people's, people's you know, ability to abide is, is, is going away, and I would say, no, I think we're quite good at abiding. We're really good at it. We love it. We abide with our screens all day long. Can I get an amen? And this is a plug for Counseling Conference, by the way. Like, we are really good at abiding. We just don't abide with God as much anymore, and we don't abide with people as much anymore because we're, like, here all the time. Here. This is where we live. This is what we abide with. We look at screens all day long. We look at notifications. We look at messages. And we're quite good at abiding, but we're abiding with the wrong thing. And Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to abide, abide in me. If you're going to abide and hang out, hang out with light, not darkness. Hang out with other believers. Don't hate other believers. Love other believers. If you're going to abide, get together around a table and talk about Jesus. If you're going to abide, spend time with people undistracted. Put your phone away for a moment, for a moment, and connect with the God of the universe and people who are created in his image. We're quite good at abiding, but what Jesus is telling us is that, look, if you say you abide with God and you're saved by Jesus, but you don't abide with your brothers and sisters in love, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. And so as we continue on in this principle of, of, of servant-hearted heart, we're, we're, we're getting a hold of the heart of humility, the heart of servanthood. What's going on? What are you feeling inside? You might be asking, well, how do I know what loving others really looks like? I mean, what does that really look like for me in my life to love somebody else? Verse 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Jesus, this is how we know love experientially and deeply, That he laid down his life for us. Jesus laid it down. And the word laid down there, it means to to, um, to set, to place voluntarily. Like when you're setting a plate down on a table, 
you're, you're laying it willfully and voluntarily down onto the table. You are laying down that plate. And that's what Jesus did. He laid down his life for us voluntarily and willingly. All right, check out this verse, John 10, verse 11. And you can read the whole passage through 18. It's really good. But he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He lays it down. That's the same word that's being used in 1 John. Check out this verse in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. See, agape love, it looks like willing sacrifice. And when Jesus Christ laid down his agape love for us, he willingly laid down his mind and his body and his life for our sins. So as a result of that love, we look at the cross and we see a willing Jesus sacrificing himself for our sins. Then we understand how we ought to love. We ought to love like that. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And the word ought is a financial term. It means to owe money or to be in debt. So because of Jesus' sacrifice for us, if you are a true believer in Jesus, you look at that sacrifice and you look at your brothers and sisters horizontally and you say, I'm in debt to them. Because Jesus paid for me. I must now lay my life down for the brothers, for the sisters. And you can see this, like you are in debt. This morning, I know you may have a mortgage, right? You may have credit card debt. You may have all that kind of debt. But can I tell you about your spiritual debt? Your spiritual debt is the debt you owe your brothers and sisters in Christ because Jesus laid his life down for you. And here's what, here's what I mean. The apostle Paul wrote it this way. He said, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, to wise and to foolish. Paul was so bought by the blood of Jesus. He was so convicted by how much Jesus had paid for his sins. He said, look, I am under obligation. I'm under debt to everybody that I know. Greeks, I mean, really smart and cultivated Greeks. And I'm also in debt to the barbarians, the crazy ones. I'm, I'm in debt to the crazy people both to wise, the really smart people, and the foolish. I owe everybody the gospel. Um, consider this verse in 1 John 4. John said, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God loved us this way, we ought to. We, we owe it to everybody else to love one another. Now, this goes against our American ways, because we love to be independent of one another. We love to be individualistic. We love to not owe anybody anything. We like to walk around not in debt. And so, so when oftentimes we, we buy into a version of Christianity that says, Jesus, you paid for me. Thank you so much for giving me heaven and eternal life. But I don't want to owe anybody anything. So therefore, I'm just going to receive the goody, which is heaven. But I'm going to say no to my brothers and sisters in Christ, who I, I absolutely owe. I owe them my love. I owe them my time. I owe them my my, my grace, I owe them everything that I can give them because Christ died for me. So it's a fact. A person will love others in proportion to the love that they themselves have received from Jesus. You will pour out in love what you have received from Christ. 
So if you love a lot, you've received a lot. If you love a little, you've received a little. And that's the reality of your life. The most dangerous Christian this morning is the one who says, I don't owe Jesus very much, and I don't owe that person very much either. So, how's your heart doing this morning? As you look at servanthood and humility, do you realize what you've been bought from? That you had your sins paid for by Christ, and that Christ has given you heaven and salvation, and you owe him everything. And as you owe him everything, you owe your brothers and sisters love. So, servanthood principle number two is your hands. What are you holding? Verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So John's going to get really practical in this verse. He's going to give us a second principle of servanthood and humility, and that is if you have the world's goods and you see your brother in need, you have a choice to make. Are you going to close up your heart or are you going to open up your heart to your brother in need? So having the world's goods is basically having the resources of life. So if you have the basic resources to live in this world, you have the world's goods. You don't have to be a millionaire to have the world's goods. If you have the ability to get around in this world, work a job, eat food, take care of certain things, like if you have things in your hand called resources, you have the world's goods. And then you see a need. You see a brother in need. You see a need. Somebody who's lacking the necessities of life. Someone who's lacking the basic things that you have. If you see that person, all right, at church, in the community, but you see someone who has a need, a brother or a sister, you have a choice to make. Are you going to close your heart to him or are you going to open your heart to him? That's what John is saying. He's saying, if you close your heart against the person who has a need, how does the love of God abide in you? You guys know what I'm talking about. When you as a believer see somebody who has a practical need, there's a lot of things that go through your mind. One could be, well, I don't want to get burned. I don't want to get burned. I don't want to get used. I don't want to get manipulated into meeting a need when that person's just using me for fill in the blank. Money, resources, food, time. Like we've all been burned by people so we, we get a little bit like calculating, right? When we have the world's goods in our hands and the love of Jesus inside of our hearts, we get a little calculating saying, well, if I give them one, I got to give everybody one. Like I brought candy to Peru to the high mountains of Peru on a missions trip five years ago. I brought all this Starburst, man. I had a whole bag of Starburst. And I was so excited to give this out to the kids up in the mountains. They'd never seen Starburst before. They'd never seen candy before. So I had my whole bag full of Starburst just like ready to unload during one of our little kids clubs, right? And one of the missionaries came up to me and they said, well, look, like if, if you give one of those Starbursts away, pastor, you got to give one to everybody. And I was like, oh, that kind of defeats the purpose of my heart of love, right? Because I don't know if I have enough for everybody, but that is a reality. Like what happened was, well, I gave the kids the candy anyway and it worked out fine, right? But that was a hesitation to maybe what I wanted to do was just like, do I have enough? Does everybody get one? What's going to happen with the Starburst? I mean, it's a crisis of mercy and love, right? Starburst. 
And in the middle of that, I think that sometimes when we see needs like that, we go through that in our mind. We're like, do I have enough for everybody? Like if I give, if I give one person in our church something, am I going to have to give everybody something? Is this, is this a everybody gets an equal amount thing? And here's the reality. It's not so much about that, whether everybody gets something. It's the reality of what's going on in your heart. Are you going to open up to a person that God is leading you to and the Holy Spirit is setting aside? Or are you going to close your heart towards that person? So the word close there is like shutting the door. It literally is a picture of a door shutting. And it says you're closing your heart. Now the heart in verse 17, that word for heart is really interesting because it literally means intestines. Okay, like how about that at 8.30 in the morning, right? Like, are you going to close your intestines to this person? And you're like, what in the world? Why is John talking about that? He literally means not your physical intestines. He means that feeling in your gut, you know, like that center of mercy. Like when you feel compassion and mercy, that is that gut reaction that you have towards somebody or something, And John says, like, are you going to close that gut reaction to help somebody? Because if you do, if you see the need and you you have the solution in your hands, you have the world's goods, but you don't do it, you are literally closing off what your impulse is as a Christian to help somebody. And in the midst of that, John says, how can the love of God abide in you at that moment? So servanthood principle number two is your hands. What are you holding? In a church like ours, we are a church that's not a rich church by any means, but we have, we have worldly goods. We have things in our hands that we could do right now to help out somebody in our church. Right now, there's a brother and sister in Jesus that's maybe in our church that needs a text message. That's free. You can send those anytime. Needs a phone call. That's free. You can call somebody anytime to encourage them. You can take a meal to somebody, all right? I, I may know a family that's going to have a baby soon, and you might be able to sign up for a meal train, right? You might be able to do that. Um, there, there's, there's, there's so many areas within our community that has need, and what I'm telling you is that you don't need your master's degree in theology to do mercy, to respond to that gut reaction, the Holy Spirit bringing somebody to your mind to say, what, you know what, you have the world's goods, go meet a need, my goodness, it's right there. Do what you can for who God puts on your heart and watch God do amazing things. Watch joy explode in your heart and mind because you did what God said. You loved your brother or your sister in need and you took what is in your hands and you gave it. So what's in your hands this morning? And are you giving it? Are you releasing it? If you are, the love of God abides in you. If you're shutting that down so you can get what you want, the love of God does not abide. And that's servant principle number two. Servant principle number three is feet. What are, what are you doing? Where are you going? Okay, verse 18, little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. Okay, John is warning us this morning. He's saying in love, let's not love with word or talk. Let's not, let's not make it a bunch of words, right? Words come cheap in our, in our world today, right? He's saying, look, you need to love with deed and truth. 
So like we, we have very cheap culture today. The word love comes very cheap. I love you, man. I love you. I love you. Love you, love you, love you, love you, love you, love you lots, right? And I'm a hugger, so like I say this a lot. And sometimes I have to look at my own heart and say, do I really mean that? Do I mean I love you? Like I got to be careful with how I say that word because it means something. The apostle Peter said, Lord, I love you. In John 13, 37, I love you that I'll lay my life down for you. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, you'll be denying me before the rooster crows three times. Words come cheap. Words are easy. It's easy to say, I love you. Someday I'll help my brother and sister and Jesus out. Someday I'll walk with Jesus. Someday. But agape love is not words or talk. Agape love is actions. If you've been saved by Jesus Christ, you are a person by God's grace of action. Um, John 14, 12, Jesus said it this way, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. If you believe in Christ, you're going to do the works that Jesus did and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. All right? Aww. This is Cameron and Julie McDaniel. And I told you as part of my sermon series, whenever I get to preach during this, I want to highlight stories of humility and servanthood within our church. Um, when you love with humility and servanthood, you love with your feet, right? You do deeds, deeds and truth. That, that's what love is built on. And Cameron and Julia, I, I just want to highlight them, and they would hate me for doing this, why I didn't ask beforehand, all right? But if you look at Cameron and Julie, from the day they came into our church, they have been full of deeds and truth. They've been full of it. They don't, they don't, they don't want to preach. They don't want the spotlight. They don't want to be known. But these two individuals have blessed our church in ways that are incalculable. I can't calculate how many people have been blessed by these two. And they don't, the reason that they, they are so great in God's eyes is because they love the brothers and sisters at this church. And what do I mean by that? I mean like this morning, here's just an example, even this morning. It's snowing out, and nobody knew it was going to snow. And then Cameron meets me at the front door and says, hey, be careful, because Rob Pearson and I almost slip on the, on the sidewalk as we're making fun of people who would slip on the sidewalk. We almost fall, right? There's a Bible verse about that, right? And Cameron's like, hey, what do you need? Ice? You want, you want ice melt? Okay, I got it. This is the kind of family that we have here that is truly great in God's eyes. And I highlight them because it's not about words. It's about deeds and truth. It's about the reality of knowing Jesus and then spreading that out to as many people as we can, whether people see it or not, whether people recognize it or not, whether tons of people recognize you or not. That Cameron and Julie, they don't care. They love Jesus. So the Apostle John is speaking to us this morning by saying, what are you doing with your heart? What are you doing with your hands? What are you doing with your feet? Humility and servanthood are found when we meet Jesus and then we begin to love with agape love. Um, just due to time, I think we're going we're gonna to negate the last song. Sorry, Brandon. Is that okay? I know, I'm sorry. Um, but how are you doing this morning? With humble, servant-hearted 
principles of leadership. How's your heart doing? For some of you this morning, there's a lot going on in here about servanthood, humility, love for Jesus, love for a brother or sister. Perhaps there's somebody within the church that you need to get right with. You need to reconcile with. You need to have a conversation with. You need to begin to love the unlovable. How are you doing with your hands? What are you giving away? Who are you giving away to? Who are you blessing? Maybe it's a decision this morning to bless somebody that you're like, this is going to stretch me, but it's going to be a good thing. I know there's a need. How are you doing with your feet? Deeds and truth. Jesus is not so concerned about what you say on a Sunday morning in the glorious conversations that you have with God and with each, with each other. He's more, more concerned about deeds and truth, loving people with deeds and truth. So let's all stand up together. Let's consider how the Lord would want us to respond. And by God's grace, let's do it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, let's respond. Let's pray. God, we come before you, and Lord, I'm so thankful for this word from the Apostle John. Lord, humble, servant-hearted attitudes flow from our hearts. And God, as we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, the man who laid himself down so that we could be saved, Lord, may you work in our hearts this morning to realize this amazing, divine, agape love. And Lord, may we pour it out for other people. May we, may we commit to loving people no matter how they respond, no matter what they say. Lord, may we love them with the love of Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would be at work with our hands. Lord, help us to give away. Lord, maybe even put people on our minds right now through the power of the Holy Spirit that would come to our minds and hearts that we could bless this week in Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would be with our feet, that we would be not only about words, but about deeds and truth. God, put us on the move. Help us to bring love to spaces that don't know love. Lord, help us to to not say that we're going to get to that one Christian someday. We're going to minister to that one person someday. God, may you turn our someday's into today. Lord, may we just make humble steps towards serving others. And God, I pray that you would just do surgery on our hearts. Lord, because our sin natures are alive and well. Lord, we want to be selfish. We want to be independent. We want to be um, rebelling, rebelling against you, God. And let yet, Lord Jesus, you show us a better way. So God, may we respond to you by the grace and power of Jesus. And may you allow us to do that this morning to the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you guys for coming this morning. We love you. Enjoy the snow. Have a great day.